podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker. I'm joined this week by podcast regular Harold. How's it going, Harold? Yeah, not bad. Thank you very much. Not bad. Uh, more pain. Uh, every, we'll we'll every get into it. And this week we have guest, uh, regular courtside listener all the way from the States, Rick. How you doing, Rick? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm good. Lakers, catching arrows, but it is what it is. Oh, so we've got two Lakers fans on this week. What, what a surprise, eh? Uh, cool. <laughs> with, with that being said, uh, let, let's first of all start uh, with the news this week. And since I've got two Lakers fans, may as well start with the Lakers. So uh, LeBron's returned after 20 games out, that high ankle sprain uh, game against the Kings, you know, one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, you proceed to lose 110 to 106. Uh, LeBron made some comments after the game about uh, feeling some tightness, some soreness in his ankle and, and, and some comments about probably never been 100% again. I mean, he's been in the league for almost 20 years now, so I don't think that's uh, quite the big issue. But, Rick, I wanted to come to you first just to talk about um, your thoughts. With two weeks left in the season, obviously AD's come back as well. But with us being so close to the playoffs, you seem to have a lot going on. Not everything is so smooth and settled in Lakers land. Yeah, I mean, that's the truth. There's a lot of moving parts. So, for example, Anthony Davis coming back, and this is basically the first game that Andre Drummond, AD, and LeBron all played together. There's, there's spacing issues. There's defense concern issues. There's minutes rotation issues. Uh, with eight games to go, we're kind of cutting it close. That's what happens when you have injuries, though. It's kind of like now we got to take that time to really just – we don't really have time to practice, but whatever happens on the court needs to – there needs to be that chemistry that starts, starts to get built. So that's really what I'm looking – the most two over these next eight games, seeing the chemistry and seeing the defense especially kind of just return back to where it is. I think that's been where I've been most disappointed. And with Anthony Davis coming back, he hasn't been the same defensively. Uh, Movement-wise. Well, well, he was he was, he was was good. Uh, um, I was about to say last night, but but, but two nights ago. Uh, he, had his, was. he had these five blocks as well. He was, he was quality. I, I like yeah. that was actually one of his better games, but no, you're right. In general, he hasn't been the greatest since he's come back. I, I think of late, his defense is definitely getting a lot better. I think it's more so just that I'm seeing too many defensive lapses from the Lakers. So it's you know like is, you're saying miss rotations. Rick, you know what it is for me? It's the turnovers. Late game, yeah. late, late game, careless turnovers. It drives me mad. Like, and we just give away the game. Just literally, just just like just like we did on Friday night. Yeah, the turnovers is actually that's that's another worrying thing because it's been an issue the whole year. So I'm really hoping – I think with LeBron back, it gets better. But even still, I think there's just not enough ball handling on our team. It's going to be LeBron at the point, so I don't have as much concerns about that. But, again, it's also just like late-game decision-making. That wasn't that wasn't the best late-game decision-making that you've seen from the Lakers. At all. And at all. That needs to improve. At all. Like, there was – like, even – oh, sorry, Mariah. Sorry, Mariah. No, I was going to say – no, yeah, I don't want to get into, like, a big Lakers thing. Um, but obviously, currently you're in the sixth seed. Uh, you've got the same record as the Mavs. Um, at the moment, you, you look scheduled to play the Nuggets. If you actually got into the fifth seed, that will most likely set you up for a matchup with the Clippers. I think, to be honest with you, if you guys still feeling things out and getting back into the swing of things, you probably don't want to play the Clippers in the first round, do you? 
No. Nah. We don't. Can't, can't. So, I'm, so I'm, actually, I'm actually happy with us at 16. It's super tight, though. It's super tight. And in these <laughs> last two weeks, I don't know how much that gamesmanship is going to go on because from you guys' perspective, you're going to want to get your, your best players as sharp as possible. You're going to want to build up that uh, chemistry that Rick mentioned. So I can see you pulling together a, a good string of wins. Um, so it just very much depends on how much effort the Clippers um, put into trying to get back above back above the, the Nuggets. So, um, yeah, in that regard, it's going to be pretty interesting to watch these uh, next couple of weeks. Uh, another player's come back after 21 games out, just a one more game than LeBron, uh, Lamelo Ball. Uh, he, he he announced his return with a fantastic full-court uh, underhand pass. It's what we're used to with, with Lamelo yeah, at this point in time. Um, but he comes back and the, the Hornets are in the eighth, eighth seed, um, two and a half games back on the seventh-placed Heat. Um, what influence do we see him having these last couple of weeks? I think when he was playing, he was pretty much the standout rookie of the year. Uh, things have probably changed in that regard. We could, we can discuss that if you like. But the, the the battle for the playing positions in the East is is heating up as well. So, what influence do we see Lamelo having? Yeah. So with Lamelo, uh, so Hornets are seventh, uh, eighth seed right now in the East. Um, obviously there's actually a reward for finishing as high as you possibly can um, out of the play-ins, so between 7th and 10th, because you, if you're 7th seven, seven or 8th and you you guys play each other, the winner automatically goes into the 8th seed, or sorry, they, they go, might go into the 7th seed, whereas if you're eight for, if you're 9th or 10th, you have to play two games and then have to go into um, the 8th seed. So I think there's definitely reward there. They're, I'm surprised they managed to hold um, a, playing, a playing spot without him there, especially with... Um, with Hayward out for a lot of the time as well, but credit to them. I think I think they'll push for the for the seventh seed. I, I don't see why not. Miami aren't piecing it together at all. They've been they've been they've been COVID hit. They've been suffering with injuries as well. I I can see them finishing seventh seed for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say I've been I've definitely been really impressed by their offense in terms of how they just they just continue to move the ball. Like even without Lamelo being there, whenever I watch them, there really is no selfishness on that team. And they take the craziest shots. Like, all Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier know is, like, pull-up threes. And I'm like, <laughs> how are y'all still in the AFC? And, like, especially Devontae Graham, I think he shoots, like, less than 40% on twos. So all his buckets are pull-up or step-back or sidestep threes. He's I don't know how they continue small, to do this. He's too small. I mean, Terry's small, but Terry's just been amazing this season. But Devontae just really – yeah. he, he gets swarmed when he's out there, doesn't he? So, yeah, they, they've done really well uh, despite themselves. You'd probably say two of, the, two of their three best players this season have been out. Um, so it'll be interesting because, as we'll get into into later, uh, Russ and the Wizards are, are, are coming. Um, cool. So with that being said, let, let's talk about some games – uh, from the last week and some performances from some teams. Um, let's start with the number two seeded uh, Phoenix Suns. Uh, they they went up against the Clippers last week and they won. Um, they beat the Jazz uh, on Friday as well, and, and they were the number one seed in the West for a little bit. But I, I want to have a conversation. This is their first playoff berth in what is it? Is it a decade? We we yeah. talk about CP3 and we've waxed lyrical about him on this podcast. I'm a big CP3 fan, but um, I want us to kind of get into essentially how seriously are we going to take them um, in these playoffs? What what are the expectations from the Suns? I'll start with you, Rick. Yeah, I was going to say that I've been pretty impressed with the Suns in terms of their wing play. So I didn't really look at their wing names. I didn't look at Mikhail Bridges or Cam Johnson and be like, okay, 
these guys can contribute to a championship team. I still don't think they can. Hey, 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 no. Respect Macaw Bridges, please. please. I mean, I didn't I didn't see him as like, yo, like this. I didn't see him being this good this early on, essentially. He's he, defensively, honestly, I, I love him. He's very Macaw good. Yeah, yeah, but offensively, you're right, you're right. But in, ter- in general, I think I've seen that, again, I just love what I've seen from Devin Booker. I think he's been growing up so much the past, like, five years. The first four years, he had, like, a different coach every year. And people were like, oh, he's a losing player. And it just kind of shows that, like, when team building and an organization kind of does right, a lot of those past narratives go out the window. Mm. The only problem is that, like, again, you got you can get the first or second seed. If you play the Lakers second round, that's not a win. So, like, <laughs> I, I can't see them going too far. They just ma- They just don't match up well with the Lakers. And I see the Lakers kind of being that second round team. So, same for me personally, I just – I think they can definitely win around. I think I believe in them almost on the same level as the Jazz, but they just, to me, they lack the playoff experience that I think is kind of needed, and they're a little bit still young. CP3 is a great leader. Is he great in the playoffs as a number one? No. So I don't know about how much I trust him. I think the, the Suns in general. You make a you make a great point. First of all, in terms of the Lakers, listen, nine times out of ten, the playoffs come down to who's the best players, and you're starting with two Lakers players before you even get to a, a player on the Suns. Uh, could you mention CP3? Because as great as this season has been, I think um, the narrative around CP3 has kind of led to Devin Booker going uh, undernoticed and underappreciated, and I, I think he's been amazing this season. Uh, he, he had Gobert and the Jazz on, on skates uh, uh, on Friday, and and some of the buckets he, he he made were just beautiful to watch. I think when we look back at teams who've won titles, uh, your prototype is your wing scoring, your wing scorer uh, in the mold of a Devin Booker. So they go as far as he takes them, essentially. Um, I think for me, in terms of CP3, what I really think needs to happen this playoff for the Suns to do well is for him to kind of be the third option on offense and really focus on ensuring that the role players, so your Mikhail Bridges, your Cam Johnsons, your Dario Sarichs, your Kaminsky, if you're going to use him, your Jay Crowders, um, they actually get a, a good amount of touch on the ball and they're able to contribute. But really, I'm looking at Devin Booker and Sai DeAndre Ayton to, to, to be really the, the two oh. guys that, yeah, the two, because you look at them, they don't get a lot of free throws. And as much as we roll our eyes and criticize, being able to get to the line at a regular clip is such a key part of being able to win your team buckets and keep up scoring runs. And when your offense stagnates, which can happen at times during the playoffs, being able just to chip away at, at leads. And you look at CP3, and I think he probably gets to the line what uh, twice a game, once or twice a game. Even Devin gets to the line about six times. Uh, when you look at his scoring numbers, you want that to be eight, close to 10, really. Ideally, with, with with free throw buckets being a gimme, uh, Chris Paul's coming close to being forty now, isn't he? So that the first step isn't there anymore. He does ninety percent of his damage at, at the mid range area and the three point area. So for me, as great as has been, he will need to take a step back during the playoffs if they want to be successful. And I don't think he knows how to operate any other way. I don't think DeAndre Ayton's play necessarily justifies him being. Uh, the second option ahead of Chris Paul. So I'm with you. Um, The small point guard legend uh, being so key to their offense this late in his career doesn't really bode well for a deep playoff run. Um, But they've been great to watch. Uh, It's great to see the impact that he can still have at this uh, age. 
And it's great to see the impact of great coaching and, and, and camaraderie. Really happy for Monty Williams of everything that he's been through in the last two, three, four, five years. So, sure. yeah, I, I'm more, I've been watching quite a bit of the Suns. So I'm going to continue to just watch their journey and just enjoy it. Great to see Devin Booker in the playoffs too. What are your thoughts, Harold? Sorry, I went on a bit of a, a monologue slash rant there. Apologies. No, no, no. All good, all good. I liked it. Um, Yeah, my, my point was just really on De- uh, De- DeAndre Ayton. Like, I was watching that game against... um against the Jazz. You see, he's got, his, he's got 11 points. All of his points, all his points were dunks. Um, and if they weren't dunks, they were, they were, they were a, they were a last minute, um, like, give up layup. Like, it's like, oh, I can't, I can't get to the dunk. Let me just, let me, let me just roll it in. Like, he is so one dimensional. I'm so disappointed, actually, because I really thought he would, he would like kick on, especially after all the controversy he had, um, in his, in, in, in his last year. So I was like, oh, so this, it, it really, if it, it, that that I'm, I'm still a bit like, oh, I don't. I, the reason why I mentioned him is because, quite for for a reason not too dissimilar from the Clippers as well, they don't have a big man's going to be able to deal with an AD in the West. They have, and I'm, I don't want to digress too much into Clippers, but they have. So the Suns have their Aiton, and then the Clippers have Ibaka. They have uh, Boogie, who obviously just acquired. They got Zubac. I don't think any of them are, are, are able to, to to really kick it when it matters, and that's the same same gripe I have with Gobert. Like it's it's I, I just think these guys are just great pretenders. The rest of these the rest of these big men, if I'm if I'm completely honest with you, um, so it's 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 sad. But I think Devin Booker is, is going to need to be in, incredible. It's going to be even it's going to be even more incredible that he, that he already has been um, this season. I think they go as far as he takes them because, like you said, Mariah, just to echo your point. CP3 has no reason to assume why he shouldn't be the second option because Aiton ain't stepping up. Tory Craig's a great defender, the great defender. Mikhail Bridges is a great defender. You got great pieces that you're mentioning in, in like in, in the likes of uh, Dario Saric and and Jay Crowder. Great, awesome. But CP3 is the second best player, and it shouldn't it shouldn't be the case. Yeah, I was gonna say on that Aiden point, his defense has improved, but I think the biggest thing is just the aggression, the mentality. I don't think you see that game in and game out, and that's kind of what you do need in the playoffs. He takes too many times where I feel like he isn't kind of living up to his talent. And not to say, like, he's underperforming, but that constant aggression just isn't always there. And just on Zubac, if the Lakers had Zubac, I would have no worries. I can't – like, every – it still haunts me that we just gave him up for a bag of chips just to give him up. I know. Yeah. The only good thing that Magic did was getting LeBron to, to yeah. LA. Obviously, everything else, <laughs> everything else that has happened afterwards has been a result of that. But the Zubach move at the time was just, it just didn't make any sense. Um, and, and it still doesn't make any sense. So, but yeah, let, let's let's not digress. Um, well, to go uh, forward and talk about the Nets. The Nets, uh, they beat the Pacers midweek. Uh, KD doing what KD does, dropping 42 points in that win. Um, the other two stars went out. Obviously, we know um, James Harden is injured at the moment, and Kyrie. I, I can never quite keep up with Kyrie. Is he? Is he <laughs> always something going on in it. Always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always happening. Is he? Is he? Is he chilling? And he gone on a hike into the mountains. Um, so I guess um, the conversation centers around how little they've played together. Um, their whispers, concerns, whatever you want to call it, in terms of them un- being unable to build up that camaraderie and that fluency that we talk about in Rio, Rio Lakers, guys. So um, I wanted to get your thoughts, Harold, on how much of a concern that should be for the Nets, in your opinion, and, and what to expect from them in the coming weeks going into the playoffs. 
Yeah, so before that, actually, because um, before I go into the next, I just want to say shout out Karis Levert because he is he's he is he's bounced back from that that like that um that cancer scare he's had, and he played a he had a fantastic game against the Nets the other night. Um, but yeah, on the Nets themselves, it is a concern. It is look, you chemistry is is a big thing. They've got they've got their big three that they're posting the greatest offensive stats the NBA has ever seen of 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 Harden, uh, Kyrie, and KD. KD, I have no no worries about because KD is just he doesn't actually make sense as as a as a basketballer. He can he can he can come he can he he can have he can have uh what's he, he can come off a stag do on the weekend, wake up on a Monday morning and be like, you know what? Look, I can give you thirty and eleven, like, and just be easy. It's, it doesn't make sense. His efficiency from the field is is insane. A seven foot jumper is is just it's just unstoppable. Um, Kyrie is if even Kyrie and, and Harden like I can't lie to you guys like I feel like they have this chemistry that they don't even need to necessarily play as much together. Initially, I'm like everyone's saying saying oh they need to get some reps together, and I agree. However, I'm going to be a bit of a contrarian here. I actually think they'll be completely fine. I think. I think a lot of them realize why they're all here. Kyrie, Kyrie's got his chip. Katie's got his chip. Harden is playing the, some of the greatest basketball that he has ever played in his career. He's been as selfless as he was in his in his first years um, in Houston and some of his latter years in OKC. I have it saddens me to say, but I actually, I think they'll be completely fine. You know, like I, I honestly think they'll be completely fine. I think they'll make it work. They'll have they'll have Harden playing the point. They'll have uh Kyrie as the two and they'll have KD just 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 chilling in the in the three or four doing whatever he likes to be honest or or even if, if they want to go small ball um making KD the five it's it's sad to say but I think they'll be completely fine bro like even without the reps Rick what do you think bro uh I'm not as confident on them I do kind of agree with like I thought it'd be a lot a little bit more reps that they need but as soon as like Harden came and went to point guard, I was like, all right, this is this is trouble. It just it, it just think, it was fluent, wasn't it? It just like yeah, it was, it was very fluent. But like the the only NBA team that won the team that won with like the least amount of games played together was the Chicago Bulls with Jordan, Rodman, Pippen, and they played forty games together. And that was off the back of like they were they were basically trying to three peat at that time. So they had years and years and years of continuity. Yeah. This Nets trio has played seven games together. So like that that difference from 40 to seven is huge for me. So I do agree that I don't think their offense will suffer a lot. But I think it's just, a, for example, they play a switch heavy defense. Like I wonder what happens when you put Kyrie and KD on a switch. Just because they have they have kind of like brought in, they haven't brought in good defenders, but the big one that they have brought and guys like Bruce Bowen and stuff that they have off the bench, they've kind of contributed a lot on the defensive end. Which I think that as KD, Harden, and Kyrie come back, it's going to be KD, Kyrie, Harden. It's going to be Joe Harris, and those that's going to be a, a a big basis of their minutes. So I'm kind of wondering what's going to happen, like at the end of the two game scenario. Like, what do you guys have played out? Like, I know I'm I not going to diss Harden. You know? I think, I think it is KD with the ball, but yeah. I've seen Harden. I know what you are. Like, I'm, in the playoffs, I know what you are. Like, I've seen you in your eyes. You fold under pressure. But this time, Harden gets to play as a third option. So my question for them is just, one, the continuity thing is a big issue for me. And two, they're going in with, like, a rookie head coach. I think no matter what, there has never really been a team that hasn't been pushed in the playoffs. Even the Warriors, when they had KD, Curry, yeah. or whatever, they got yeah, pushed in the playoffs, and that continuity matters. So 
I think for me, I do see it as a problem. One thing they have in their favor is that when I look at the Bucks, they have the roster to beat them. The coaching isn't there. When I look at the Philly, they may have the roster. I don't see the coaching being there, and I don't see – I don't necessarily trust Philly's offense. So they I'm do – Philly's offense, they, you mean Ben Simmons. Hey, listen. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. But I can't lie. When, when I, I, Joel Embiid, like, it's like flopping only takes you so far. So I wonder, like, even with Joel Embiid, like – no, but he'll I get his calls, though, man. He'll get his He will get his calls, but the, the, the historic free throw numbers that he's he's put up, the, those will go down. We, we saw yeah. them go down with we, we saw them go down with uh, James Harden every single season, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Trey Young as well because the, the Hawks look like they're, they're yeah. well suited for a playoff berth. The whistles just go less in the playoffs. It's more physical defense, and the refs are happy to see you play. Um, I think you guys both make great points. I think. In terms of the offensive end, they're going to be fine, like you've intimated. Harden is the one who's able to distribute and play make. Kyrie, in, in, in isolation, can get his 25-30-35 regardless. He, he is the most um, consistent, difficult bucket getter in the league. Um, no some of the buckets that he, he, he scores are ridiculous. And KD, it doesn't matter. He'll wake up out of bed and he'll give you for 25-30. Um, so offensively, they're going to be fine. And yeah, you're right. Defensively, they're going to be pushed at some point. Um, I think people are sleeping on the Bucks a little bit. I think uh, very much depends on how healthy Giannis is. But if he is um, healthy coming in, they've changed the way they def- they defend. They're switching a lot more now. They've, they've got Drew, who, who's an upgrade on Eric Bledsoe. Chris Middleton, I still have question marks about him. And I don't think, the same way you talk about uh, DeAndre Ayton not necessarily being aggressive enough. I think Chris Middleton is always content to get his 20 points, 50% from the field, 40% from three, and and, and 90% from the free throw line. And he's like, I've done my job. And um, there's a point that somebody made about, I think it was Isaiah Thomas made about Chris Paul a, a few years ago. And it's like, that's great. And you can come off the, out of the game and be like, yeah, from the stat sheet, I've done my job. But are you taking enough risks? Are you actually forcing the issue enough? And we know the limitations that Giannis um, can have at times in the playoffs. So I think that'll be a more um, interesting series that than people anticipate. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see when we get there. I think um, Brook Lopez. That that's that's where he can't play against the Nets. Like that's like you just got to cut that out. And that's why I don't trust. Like the Bucks, I do believe that they have the roster there, and they have been trying to switch more this season. So I've been like I've been impressed with the rotations that Bud is trying to make. But I look at some of the roster and I'm like, listen, against the Nets, like Bobby Portis has to play more. And I just don't know if he will. And I just don't trust. I just don't trust their coach. Yeah, like last season, he he was very much like close games. He still plays Giannis exactly the same amount of minutes. And it's like, it's a player. What are you resting him for? There's nothing after this. If you go out, you're out. (laughs) (laughs) You leave it all on the line. and, And they asked Giannis and Giannis was kind of like, I just do what coach tells me. And it's yeah, like yeah. passive aggressive comments when it's like, you're the superstar. If you tell the coach to keep you in, he'll keep you in. It's, it's to his benefit. It's to, it's to your team's benefit for you to, to stay on um, as long as you can and help contribute to the win. So yeah, it, on, honestly, as much in, as injuries have sidetracked this season, like you've mentioned, Rick, they always sidetrack seasons. Um, there's so many little storylines that mean that I'm really, really looking forward to, to the playoffs just as long as nobody else gets injured, um, which we'll have to touch wood on in regards to that. Um, let's look ahead um, or back, should I say, to uh, a game that was uh, ridiculously high scoring uh, in terms of the Celtics playing the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, it finished, let me just confirm, 140 to 143. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> what the hell is it's like an all-star game? Oh my days. One forty to one hundred and forty-three, which is just testament to just testament to the season. That was overtime obviously. though, at least. That yeah, yeah, I've got, yeah, obviously that still includes overtime, but even without overtime. No, no, no. You say you say obviously what did the Pacers do <laughs> to, to the Thunder? They, they were 152 last yeah, night. It's, it, it's ridiculous. But yeah, within that game, um Jason Tatum went for 60. Uh, a, a, a glorious 60 and they were able to come back from once being down 32 points against the Spurs. Um, I wanted to speak to you, Rick, firstly, just to get your thoughts on on um, the performance. I know it's capped with the season we're having and the amount of offensive outbursts uh, we've seen this season, but your thoughts on his performance, your thoughts on Jason Tatum in general, uh, the season he's having, and finally, uh, your thoughts on the on the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics are going to go out in the first round so they can rest in piss. Uh, Jason Tatum, <laughs> I've been... Oh my God! My God! Yeah, that's an all-time line. Uh, Jason, Jason Tatum, though, I've been very impressed with him. Mainly, I, I think people already knew about the defense and the scoring potential. Uh, I think I've seen him assume much more of a leadership role this year. The Celtics have been up and down, up and down, up and down. I think this is one of his and Brown's weaknesses that they're not playmakers. So, like, they're great in isolation and for themselves. I think Tatum has taken a step up in his playmaking this year. But, again, like, that's kind of what I see on the game-to-game basis. Like, you'll watch a Celtics game, and Marcus Smart will just take 25 shots. And you're just like, wait a minute. How How is Marcus Smart taking what? steps back, like, 30 bro, he was bro, sorry to interject. Uh, time will get to start. He dribbled into the paint. He's trying to pivot, spin, like, dish it with his weak hand. Bro, freeze and defense. That's yeah. it. I don't want to see you doing any, anything else, bro. Nothing yeah. else. The Celtics lack a playmaker, and they lack any sort of big man. So, like, I just – like, if they go against the, the, the Sixers or something, it's, 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 it's a short one. But in general, I've been very impressed by Tatum. It's tough to say, but, like, he really is that guy. Like, I hate to say it, but when you think about the offensive repertoire that he has and kind of the variety he has in his skill set, I think the next step for him is essentially – simplifying his game a little bit in terms of like, okay, the sidestep threes are great, Bro. but you kind of don't want to be doing that in the playoffs. Like, it's too much. His shot selection is among the worst. Yeah, it's pretty bad. That's one thing I definitely agree with. That's one thing. I remember last year in um in in the in the postseason, I can't remember who they were playing, but rather than going for a two point play as the last play to go to to, to force the game to overtime. Naturally, no, it wasn't first game to overtime. They were down one. Now suddenly, the three point, the three point play becomes the play to go to. That's that's a common theme in the NBA now, isn't it? Like everything. Like now, the three point play, even if you're down by one, is the play to go to. No one wants to drive to the line and then and then potentially have to go to the line. It's like it's it's just ridiculous. And yeah, I I agree with you guys, man. I agree. Right, I think you're muted. What do you say, Harold? The game's gone, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, gone. I think, I think with him, obviously, he's kind of intimated his his issues with long COVID. Um, we've spoken about it the last yeah. couple of pods. Um, so it's And he said he was almost over it. Um, yeah, it, it was a fantastic 60 points. And um, even coming out of that game, I haven't watched much of the Spurs this season. And I did actually get to enjoy Spurs basketball, which is obviously p- passing up good shots for great shots. Deontay Murray for the first two, three quarters looked like he couldn't miss. Um, but then those shots that were swishing inside, hitting the front of the rim a lot more. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, um, him missing out on the All-Star game, I thought was tragic. Um, I thought it was ridiculous, but he was brilliant as well. 32 points, 14 assists. Um, I feel like he's almost refined his game going to the Spurs. Um, and I think 
he gets a bad rep because of obviously leaving Toronto and then they literally the player they replaced him with then led them to to a title. He didn't even leave, bro. He got traded. Yeah, poor guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. He got he got he got he got booted basically. Majai went ruthless there, and also the fact that in this three point shooting era, he's not a good three point shooter, but he's one mm. of the premier mid range scorers. And and we know when it comes to the playoffs. That area of, of the court is the area that most teams will give you the space to score. And if you've got that consistent mid-range scoring threat, you're a good threat to go deep in the playoffs. So um, I'm interested to see where he goes next, what he does next, because I don't think there's necessarily enough talent around him in the Spurs for them to actually go for the upper echelons of the Western Conference. But I think DeMar still has a lot to give to a team that's actually going to uh, aim for a title. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Listen, man, the Celtics, they've been a mess in one way or another for, I feel like, the last three or four years. They had the issues with Kyrie when Kyrie was there. Um, they've had their issues this season. Um, Brad Stevens to leave, Danny Ainge to leave, um, team meetings to discuss what's going on. Um, I'm really not sure what's going on over there. Um, their roster's a mess. Kemba Walker's trade has been an absolute catastrophic fail. Um <laughs> Evan Fournier, it was funny, when, when I saw this game got to 143 and he'd only gotten 10 points, I was fuming because he, he's a boy on my fantasy. <laughs> he was on, he's on my fantasy team and I need you to get buckets, essentially. Um, but when you actually w- w- go back and watch, which is why it's so important to watch, his 10 points were so timely in terms of when they needed them. Like They went on a run um, towards the end of the third quarter to close the gap and part of his 10 points was a three-point, a three-pointer to bring, I think, down from 16 to 13. And then he also had a breakaway uh, layup, which I think brought it from like 11 to nine or something along those lines. So it, it goes to show, guys, that, you know, don't just read the stat sheet, check the game out because you actually learn something, won't you? Yeah. Great, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the final team and, and player I guess we want to talk about um, are, the, are the Wizards. Um, before losing last night against the, the Mavs, they were on an eight-game winning streak. Um, behind the efforts of a of a Sir Russell Westbrook, um, he is creeping closer and closer to Oscar Robertson's all time triple double record. Um, you know they call him a stats buffer for doing it, but, but the stats show that when he gets a triple double, his team wins seventy five percent of the time. So uh, in that regard, it doesn't necessarily ring true. But Harold, I wanted to get your thoughts on um, the Wizards, Russell Westbrook, who's Turned this season around because the first half of the season, really, the talk around him and them was very much, he's done, the Wizards are done. Um, but it's obviously he was playing injured. Um, what, what are we expecting from them going forward? And I guess I'll also ask you, um, any chance of a sneaky All-NBA spot for, for Sir Russell? Ooh, that last question. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. Um, first of all, we were all obviously we have our chat. Everyone's like, "Ah, oh, this guy is washed." It's like, "Ah, oh, all of the all of the normal apologists so Disu and Reams and Jeff are like, you know, what? it's been a good run, lads. Like, it was all good. The guy can't jump. Now I see him. I, I, right off the back of that All Star game, he's like, you know what? I'm here to stay. I'm here for good. We're all praising Bradley Bill for getting up his numbers in the first half. Second half, we're barely even hearing that. We're barely even hearing Bill's name. Russell Westbrook, he just, you know, one thing I just respect about, respect about Russell Westbrook, West, Russell Westbrook is that he just gives it his all every night. Like, even if it's in, fr- if it's in front of a, a, a jam-packed crowd at Madison Square Garden, or if it's in front of no one in the playoffs with, with babies and kids around, <laughs> he will shout the house down same way. Like, he gives it his all, and I respect it, man. And now it's actually converted into wins, like you were saying. That Even that loss yesterday, um, that narrow loss, that one-point loss against the Mavs, he was brilliant. 
Like he got, he, he gave you 42, 10 and nine. Not only that, but he was efficient. What people like to complain about Russ is that he just, he's just a high volume scorer, like high volume shooter, very low conversion. Not, not yesterday. He's even good from three and from the line. He's normally not good from the line at all. So look, credit where it's due. Um, he's looking absolutely brilliant. He was only bettered by um, a last minute, a last what, nine second uh, remaining three and, and some Luka Doncic's brilliance throughout the game. Um, he's been he's been brilliant. He's been so good, and I can't believe we're talking. It's it's May, second of May, and we're talking about the Washington Wizards. I I genuinely can't believe it. Um, now, now you're talking about all NBA. Hey, 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 all NBA. What a shout! Okay, so who who be my who be my number one? Who be my who be my number one point? Um, who's even played, boy? I think yeah, I think of course. Really, I think I probably got Stephen Harden for for uh, first team. Um, but I could see. Do you think Harden's played enough? Huh? Do you think Harden's played enough? I don't know. He's in the games off the top of the head. Um, but I think the way the way the uh, the Trailblazers have slid from looking like a very comfy playoff team to now fighting for a playing spot, it is it's kind of knocked um Dane Dane. down a couple of wrongs in my eyes. So I'll probably go Harden and Steph for first team. Uh, second team, um, I'd probably go um. Walker and Kyrie and her team I'd probably go Luca and what you say third team and with Luca no he's definitely gonna get second I think yeah I think maybe even first actually he's not getting first he's not getting sure they, they can't let that white man get first team. <laughs> oh my Being a 50? Nah. That's not the reason why he shouldn't get it. You just don't think he deserves it. His color is irrelevant. Yeah, Rick yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Rick and Rick. <laughs> um, cool. So, okay, cool. You said you guys say um, Luca's second team. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, And then who would you guys have as third team? Uh, I think it's going to be probably Mitchell and Booker. That's who I think is going to be on the third team. Mitchell's missed a lot of time, but the Jazz have also slid you know in what, his you know absence. What? That's why I think they get it. Do you know what? Do you know what? I'll say this, yeah? Russ gets, he averages another triple-double, which he's on course to do this year. Yeah. Washington make it into the actual playoffs, not just play-in. Actual yeah. playoffs. Give it him. Give it him. Give it Russ. If you can get them to a 500 record, I would yeah. give it to them, considering yeah, how right. far they were. Uh, but I think they probably they pro- it'll be a huge ask of him. Um, they're six games um, back from having a five hundred record, so yeah, they'd have to go seven and um, one. I think seven and one for them to finish with a five hundred record uh, first season. If if my maths yeah, is, yeah. is correct, um, so I think yeah, he probably just misses out on the the All NBA. Um, and just to just to close up, I guess let's let's have a quick brief conversation about. Uh, the current state of, of the play in, in each conference. Like I've mentioned, um, let's start in the West. You've got Portland seventh. Um, they've slid now. Um, they are on a four and six record in their last 10. So they are a game back on the Lakers in the sixth. Uh, you've got Memphis, who are uh, three games back in the lost column in eighth. You've got um, Golden State, who are... <clears throat> Half a game back, one game back in the uh, lost column, but um, half a game back from Memphis and eighth. And you've got the Spurs who uh, have uh, an identical overall record to the Warriors uh, being 500. And then you've got the Pelicans who are three games back from um, the Spurs. I think at this point, 
we can rule the Pelicans out. Um, Zion, it's been brilliant, but th there's some work you guys need to do around your your roster construction and. Uh, yeah. Defense like, coach who has who has has no defense. Unbelievable. They, they, play, they play the Warriors twice, so they're not like they play the Warriors on a back to back. So they win those games and right back in it. Do you, think, they, you know, do you think they do? I don't think Steph's having it. I'll be honest. No, I, I, I'm, I'm not. The, well, Steph might not have it. The rest of the team might. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, Golden State threw up a, a stinker against the, against the Rockets, didn't they? So um, yeah, okay. I guess in that, considering that, considering that um, we can't and the Wizards, yeah, <laughs> considering that um, we can't necessarily rule out the Pelicans. But looking looking at what we have here, if I was to ask you guys, who do you think take the last two playoff spots from that group from Portland down to the Pelicans? Who, who do you see it being? Oh, I'm going to go with Portland and Golden State. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so in fact, let me even, for, for those people who don't even understand um, how these planes work, um, first of all, why does even the playoffs, why does even play-ins, I, I can't tell you, but whatever. Um, so how it works is that there's four teams in there, 7th seven, seven to 10th. Uh, the winners of 7th or 8th go straight to the 7th seed. Um, the loser of that seventh or eighth goes into another game with the with the winner of the ninth and tenth, and they go into the eighth seed. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I'm going. I'm going Portland, Golden Golden State, um, San Antonio, no Memphis, no Pelicans. Look, I think it will be. I think it'll be a crime if they made it in. They refuse to play defense. They actually <laughs> refuse to play defense. It will be an. It will be. An, it will actually be a tragedy. I would not want to watch. Well, that. that, but there's still a worse defensive team than they're in that group you're talking about. For me, I think Memphis and Golden State is who I think are going to make it. Um, what do you think, Rick? Uh, I think it's going to be the Blazers. And I think it's going to be the Grizzlies. Mainly because with the Blazers, like the whole season, they've been bad. Like, if you look at their point differential, they have a winning record and a negative point differential. The only thing keeping them above water is Dane. Like, he just goes absurd in the fourth quarter. Like, that that was it. So, on this slide, as soon as he started not performing in the fourth, they just dropped. With the Spurs, the Spurs record is just absolute hell. Like, I look at their games and I'm like, yeah, you guys are dropping. They played the 76ers, the Jazz twice. They played the Blazers. They played the Bucks. They played the Nets. Then they oh, played the no Spurs twice. Yo, Adam Silver does not want them in the plane. Adam Silver <laughs> does not want them in the plane. Do you know what? They, they suffered from obviously having so many games postponed in the first half of the season as yeah. well. So their second half schedule has been um, brutal. And oh, honestly, I have playing games at 6 p.m. Uh, UK time. I said, <laughs> what? <laughs> on, Harold, man. The game is absolutely good. So I'm still yeah. out here and I'm watching NBA games. Unbelievable. But, I, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't even know that their final stretch of games was that bad. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're absolutely dusted, man. Um, but yeah, Warriors, I don't know. With the Warriors, it's like, I genuinely don't trust them. Like, I'm putting I, my faith in Steph. I have no reason to trust them, but I'm putting my faith in Steph being able to, especially if he can get them to the eighth seed and they have two cracks at it, I have the faith in him being able to win one of those two games. If yeah. they just have a one-game knockout, then I, I, it probably changes my mind. But I, I've got enough faith that he can pull out one out of two wins. I think the problem is that, like, in their most important game against Dallas up to that point of the season, the way they came out, the lack of energy, and, like, that was your most important game. You had, like, 10 points in the first quarter. That's – I just can't trust that. Like, Steph had, like, 25 in the third quarter, and they were down by, like, 35. Their defense is a fugazi. Like, it looks good, but in reality, their offense is so bad that your defense is not going to hold you over for that. 
the Grizzlies. Whereas, like for me, I don't, I don't think the Grizzlies are better. Like Steph can beat the Grizzlies; he can do that. But the Grizzlies in general, their team building, they just have such a more complete roster. And Jaron Jackson coming back has been pretty big for them. So that's why I kind of see them like having. It really depends on what seed the Warriors get. If the Warriors have to win two games, no, they're not doing that. If they yeah. have to win one. They can they can get that in, but I do like the play in based on what Harold was saying. Just because like for me it decent it like it incentivizes teams to kind of just take the season more seriously. Like if they didn't have the play in teams like the Wizards right now, they would be tanking. But instead, now I might get to see KD and Russ in the first round, and Russ Facts. turns into Michael Jordan whenever he sees KD. So I want to see that. I think it Facts. again like I think it it forces teams to actually be good. Like I I don't like that like teams. Like the Thunder, like they're just playing, they're out there playing like Shanghai Sharks members so they can try and get Kate Cunningham. <laughs> and it's like at a certain point, you want to kind of want to like, you want to work. You don't even play bad enough. That's, that's, that's the worst yeah. part. You know, it's really funny you mentioned that you make it OKC because I have, I have Lou Dort in my, in my fantasy team, yeah. So every other night you'll see him go down with a with a with a with a mysterious <laughs> injury, and he'll be right back at the game after because he 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 can't help but to play well. So he's giving you thirty and fifteen, thirty five and twelve, like he's giving you good numbers. But every yeah. other game, he miraculously, oh, sore toe, oh, what's the new one that they, that they do in the NBA? Um, contusion, uh, fine contusion. Usually your five's got a bruise on it, man. I like. Those spin offs, boys. Um, yeah, you. You make you make some uh, valid points there, Rick. It'll, it'll be really interesting to to watch how that uh, eventually plays out. And let's just quickly zip over to the playing race in the East. So oh, wait, got... hold on, hold on. I was going to say, um, okay, go on. for OKC, they're giving out like death row contracts. Like, how is Lou Dort on five point four? Like, they actually like it's it's borderline scamming him. The the amount of money that he's on, I don't know who his agent is. Him and Moses Brown, like, <laughs> like. You come out with 2021 game and then you sign a contract for one million the next game. It's like, bro, like you're way you're worth way more. They but actually remember, have like, but remember Rick though. That's Sam Presti, my guy. That but remember, Rick, that one million is more money than he's ever seen in his life. And when you consider the journey he's had up until now, it's almost like let me get this first contract. I stay at OKC, I build and develop myself, and then depending on how things go, I can then next contract, push on and get a bit more money. And you know how it works in basketball as well. You could just as easily get injured at the next game and, and receive no contract. And then you're, you're, you're back to fighting your way through the G League. So I get it. Um, Luke, Luke Dort, they, they cashed in early. They saw Bro. the team. And rather than him backing himself, again, he saw the money and, and they were able to you know get him for a lot cheaper than, to, than what he's actually worth on the market. So shout out to them because if, if they can pick up a top player in this draft, um, you got shy there already. And that you'll get beginning to see the the pieces of potentially another good era for for OKC. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on them. And you know, San Presti comes from that um, San Antonio Spurs line of of team building, so he knows what it is to build a, a franchise. He knows what a culture is. So yeah, hats off to them because they've what had three of the ten best players of the last decade or so. They didn't win a title with them um, somehow. Um, so them being able to bounce back and uh, potentially have a, another um, great era very so soon afterwards uh, is testament to their front office. So now let me whiz over to the uh, Eastern Conference and <clears throat> talk about their playing race. So we've got um, Miami, last year's uh, runners-up in seventh uh, with a 34-30 and 30 record. Uh, the Hornets, who are two and a half games back, um, <clears throat> 30, 31 and 32, so slightly under... Uh, 500. You've got the Pacers, 
who are a game back from the Hornets, 30 and 33. And then, as we've mentioned, we've got uh, the Wizards, who are a game and a half back from the Pacers with a 29 and 35 record. Um, and if I guess if you want to talk about them, uh, the Chicago Bulls in 11th, who, uh, who are three games back from the Wizards. So um, from that group, Harold, um, who do you see uh, getting the final two um, places in the playoffs and why? Do you know what? The East is way more interesting for the play-ins, if you ask me, I think. Because I, there's, there's, I actually think, because even Boston... Boston aren't even Boston aren't clear. Atlanta aren't clear. There are all of them could could drop into seventh. There, there's one game between them, them, them three teams from from fifth to seventh. Boy, yeah, okay, you make a valid you make a valid point. To be honest, it's only even the, you could, the Knicks as well. The Knicks aren't far ahead ahead either. They're exactly. ahead of Miami. So really, from fourth all the way down to tenth, um, they're fighting for the final. Um, one, two, three, four, the final five playing spots. Which is, it's which is crazy. crazy. It's crazy. Crazy. That Eastern Conference <laughs> stinks. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, Washington are, are, 60, are six games uh, under 500 and, and they're currently in the play-ins. <laughs> it makes me sick. I can't lie. Uh, but who are making it? For the good of the... Okay, Miami have to make it. For the, I, I'm saying this just based on just 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 based on Jimmy Buckets, like they they have to have oh and Bam, like they have to just have to be there. Like, you just oh, no, were you gonna say for the good of the sport? I yeah, I, I was gonna say for the good of the sport. Also. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say for the good of the sport because I was I was looking at Washington. I was like, you know what, Russ, you're doing your thing, but bro, that's actually outrageous. If you, if you, if you make the playoffs, it actually be ridiculous from this point in. Um, Indiana, I like Indiana a lot. Ah. Oh. I really like Indiana, Levert, Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, even flipping um, McDermott, bruv. They've got some good players. Oh. But Charlotte, oh, you know what? Oh, it's going to hurt me. I'm going Miami and Charlotte. Cool. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going for, man. I, I trust the Melo. I think, look, the Melo plays some... The Melo plays... The Melo plays, like... Like he's, he contributes to a, a team that's going to win. He plays to win. It's always like, and, and like Rick was speaking on in, um, earlier, talking about the selflessness. It comes from him when he distributes the ball, always looking for plays to win. Very, you see his numbers, he gets his numbers because he's so talented, but he's always making plays to win the game. It's never only ever about him. He doesn't care, which, which, is, which is quite refreshing to see. So, yeah, man, Miami and Charlotte for me. Cool. Um, that's the assumption that the Knicks, um, the Celtics and the Hawks make the playoffs as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And how about yourself, Rick? Actually, actually, no, 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 no. Boston dropping it as well. Yeah. <laughs> Let me go up. <laughs> yeah. I need that. Go, Rick. How about yourself? Uh, sadly, I think the Celtics are going to stay. I think the Heat are in there just because I think in terms of what they can actually do in the postseason, they just have more variety. And I trust Eric Spoelstra as a coach. Like the defenses they can throw out, I think they have more variety. Oh, the incredible. Oh my yeah. days! Do, 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 do you remember that lineup of uh, Ariza, Bam, uh, uh, um, Butler? Oh my days! That free man was ridiculous. That was yeah. oh, and, and and Iggy as well. That was ridiculous. Yeah, Ariza and Iggy are like ninety-four years old each, and they're still like amazing on defense. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, um, I don't see the Pacers staying in there. I think they're just too volatile. Yeah. I don't trust them game to game, especially their offense. The Wizards, I think the Wizards are in there. I need KD Russ in the first round. I need it. I need it so bad. I can't lie. So I think, but I think in general, the Wizards actually have like a crazy amount of star power and that can propel you pretty far. Like I can't imagine having to play Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook for one game in the playoffs. 
And that's kind of, I think that's going to be the Heat and Wizards. I do think that, like, it's actually really exciting for the playing because the playing essentially means that that first seed in the East matters a lot. Like, that first seed is the difference between playing, like, the Hornets and only one of the 76ers. And you, you either play the Hornets and you play one of the 76ers and Bucks. If you get the second seed, you're playing the Heat, the 76ers, and the Bucks. So that ends up mattering a lot. I think the Heat and the Wizards end up making it. I love Lamelo, but yeah, I, I don't know. Wait, you're so saying, what you're I'm saying, saying from Russ right now, I don't know. You know, the Wizards have to win two games. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I think the Wizards will win two games. Okay, cool. So I think I, I can see I can see the Wizards beating Indiana. Yeah. So who 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 between Miami and Charlotte wins? I think Miami wins. Cool, Miami Charlotte wins. Charlotte can win, but Charlotte is like. Like, damn, can these step back threes just keep falling forever? Like, even Lamelo, Lamelo makes the Lamelo's confidence is crazy because he'll shoot some, he'll shoot some stuff, and I'm like, do you do you practice that shot? And then it goes in, so it'll be like step back one leg, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. so good, yeah. That, he just try new things. You're like, you know what? Let me, let me just try and move my feet differently, man. Just keep just just that, throw the ball. That's their whole team. That's their whole team. That's their whole team. <laughs> And then I look at, oh, and then, yeah, I just can't see Bismack Biombo. Like, if I see Bismack no, no, Biombo no, no. playing band, no, no. it's not. There's no cool. need to mention Bismack Biombo and Galen. There's no need. Leave the guy alone. He's, he is ass, though. He is ass. But he got money, money off of one series, and he just got money for life. <laughs> he's awful, man. No, you're yeah. right. Okay, okay, fine. So, 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 you're saying, so you're saying Miami and, and Washington. You know what? Yeah. I can see it happening. I can see it happening on a one-off game. I can, man. Fair enough. Cool. Um, it's a tough one to call. I, I, I'll, I'll leave it to you two experts in that regard. Um, with all being said, I want to thank you both for your time. This was a, a, a really enjoyable pod. Um, the NBA is heating up, man, and I, I find myself watching more and more um, just to get myself into playoff form, make sure my, my, my camaraderie and my team building, uh, uh, my understanding of schemes is where it needs to be. Uh, Rick, thank you for coming through, bro. Uh, I appreciate it. It's what, 8 a.m., 9 a.m. over there? Um, so I p- appreciate your time, bro. Um, Harold, always a pleasure, man. Always, always happy to be here, my guy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. First time being on here. <laughs> wait, 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 sorry, Rick. Rick, Rick. Oh, yeah. Right, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 whatever. Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. I'm thinking about the football now. Sorry. I'll, I'll yeah, I can't wait to see Arsenal. Oh, uh, I can't wait to see Arsenal lose. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting, on my, I'm putting on my Manchester United hat. Um, but yeah, digress. This is courtside fracker. So yeah, nice one, lads. Uh, and for the listeners, yeah, shout out you lot. Peace. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.